Drew Timmy's footwork, low post scoring, and developing facilitation game make him a steal in the mid-second round. We discuss his best and worst case outcomes for the upcoming NBA draft on today's Locked On Zags podcast. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Lockdown Dads Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode is all about Drew Timmy. Two days away from the 2023 NBA draft, we're going to discuss the pros and cons of drafting Drew Timmy, some of the best and worst case scenarios for him in terms of team fit and role and all of that stuff. And then we're going to close out the show with a more realistic prediction of what might happen for Mr. Drew Timmy over the next couple of months. So we're going to do one of these for Drew Timmy here on Tuesday. We'll do one for Julian Strother on Wednesday. We will close out the pre-NBA draft season with an episode on Thursday discussing more draft stuff related to Timmy and Strother and the other WCC guys, Maxwell Lewis and Brandon Pajemski. Of course, Friday we will recap where Drew Timmy and Julian Strother ultimately ended up and if Malachi Smith, Rasir Bolton end up getting signed at that point as well. Today, though, it's all about Drew Timmy. Timmy Tuesday for the day. We're going to talk about the pros of taking Drew Timmy, and they're obvious. We've talked about them a lot on this podcast. You everyday listeners have heard me talk about the pros and cons of Drew Timmy's game from an NBA perspective probably at least five times, maybe maybe 10 times. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast. I love getting a chance to kind of break down some of these guys and, and how their play at Gonzaga translates to the NBA. We've seen a lot of players, of course, have tremendous success going into the NBA, but there are usually some some kind of bumps, some things that are a little bit different. Uh, for Drew Timmy, uh, the, the obvious pro is his prolific footwork around the basket. Drew Timmy's low post scoring game will translate to the NBA if he is given an opportunity to use it. We'll talk a little bit more about that aspect of this later in the show, but Drew Timmy can score on NBA bigs. A lot of people like to say, oh, well, you think the footwork's going to work against Rudy Gobert? A whole lot of people don't score against Rudy Gobert. Trying to reach for the, the upper echelon of difficultness is always kind of a, a silly way. People are like, well, he's not going to be able to guard Giannis. Nobody guards Giannis. Nobody guards Jokic. Like those guys are really, really good for a reason. Teams are not drafting Drew Timmy with the hopes that he will stop Giannis on Tentacupo. That is not what his role is going to be at the NBA level. Will he struggle to score on Rudy Gobert? Probably, but also this is a guy who put up 25 points against Evan Mobley in the Elite Eight against USC. Evan Mobley, widely considered one of the best low post defenders in the NBA. Drew Timmy can score on NBA bigs. I have virtually no doubt about that. At the same level of, you know, averaging 20 plus points per game consistently in college, probably not. But can he score against NBA bigs? No doubt. Footwork, high basketball IQ, uh, ability to reposition himself, reestablish position, move without the basketball, all of those skills, reading and reacting to defenders, feeling where they are on his back, knowing when to make the spin move, when to pump fake, when to draw contact, all that stuff. He is exceptional at this. This is the biggest skill set that Drew Timmy possesses, and he is better than anybody else in this draft class at many of those particular skills. There are questions about how translatable those skills are in the modern NBA. And that is the reason that Drew Timmy being the most prolific at that in this class is not leading to him being somebody projected to be picked higher than the mid 40s is kind of the highest we're seeing Drew Timmy in any mock drafts because it's just not a skill that really is being 
utilized in the NBA, but it is there for Drew Timmy. Don't get me wrong. He is very, very good at that. Additionally, Drew Timmy has also improved as a scorer off the dribble. He can put the ball on the deck. He's not a great ball handler. He's probably never going to be a great ball handler. There are some turnover issues again. We'll talk about that. But Drew Timmy has improved to the point where if he has the ball 14, 15, 18 feet away from the basket and he turns and faces and is looking for cutters or looking for backdoors or or any other type of offense that they're running, if he needs to put the ball on the deck to get into a different position or he has the ability to attack the basket, he is capable of doing that. We saw him do it at Gonzaga. We saw him do it at the NBA Draft Combine. He can do that. Again, not an elite ball handler, but somebody who is capable of putting the ball on the deck and getting to the rim if he needs to do so. He's also very good at moving without the ball and reestablishing position. We kind of touched on that already. How valuable that skill set will be in the NBA kind of remains to be seen. It depends on team fits and stuff, but he has that ability unquestionably. Uh, he can operate in a motion-heavy offense, again, constantly moving, switching, changing positions, reestablishing yourself. All that stuff is stuff that Gonzaga has done for the last four years, for longer than that even. And Drew Timmy's ability to adjust to that kind of offense should help him in the NBA. And again, he's improved as a playmaker and a facilitator. And I think we talked about this on a recent episode. Again, you everyday listeners certainly heard our conversation about this. But Drew Timmy's improvement as a passer as somebody who you can actually funnel the offense through, that to me is critical. Because if he's a low post scorer where the only thing he can really do offensively is get the ball on the block and make a post move, he's not going to be all that valuable. But if you can get him the ball 18 feet away from the basket and you can run actions off of him, whether it's side-to-side ball screen stuff, backdoor cuts, him turning and facing and running stuff through him that way, now teams are probably willing to give him an opportunity to do that. You know, are they going to hand him the keys to the kingdom like Nikola Jokic or Tim Duncan and just say, here, we're funneling everything through you? Of course not. That would be extremely unlikely. He might have that role like in the G League, but in the NBA, he's going to have to work very hard to get to that point. But the skill sets are there. It is the kind of thing that you can imagine he could be doing in the NBA. At the same level as Jokic? No, almost certainly not. Or even DeMontis Sabonis, who plays a similar role in the NBA right now. But he, it's there. It's there. And I think that that is what makes him the, that's one of the things that makes him the most appealing of all of the other traits that he has at this point when teams are evaluating whether they want to select him or sign him uh, as an NBA draft prospect. Uh, the best case NBA role for him, in my mind, is a team that is willing to let him operate with the ball in space, finding a team that's actually going to let him do that again doesn't need to be 15 minutes a night or, or more than that. It doesn't even need to be every single night, but somebody who's willing to put him in that role instead of just pigeonholing him as a low post scorer or worst case, trying to turn him into a, a pure three point shooter. Uh, those would be the worst case, best case, the team that's willing to let him do that. I compare it a little bit to how the Portland trailblazers used Mason Plumley for a couple of years. He was on their team for 136 games uh, in a, like the 2014, 15 range. And he played 27 minutes per game, which is probably very high end for what Drew Timmy would do at, at a peak in his NBA career. But Plumley averaged 10 points, eight boards and 3.2 assists while shooting just about 53% from the field, which is good. It's not elite, but it is, it is fine. And he shot about 61% from the free throw line. So Plumley wasn't the most effective as a free throw shooter, as an outside shooter, that wasn't really his game, but Portland still let him operate in the middle. They got him the ball. He was a good enough passer that he could make reads, make decisions with the basketball. And they really trusted him to have the ball in the middle of the floor a lot for those who, for those of you out there who watched those Blazers teams, it wasn't everybody's favorite offense. I'll admit that, but 
Mason Plumley proved he could do that even without being a super efficient scorer. And I think Timmy's a little bit more efficient, not necessarily from away from the rim. The 61% from the free throw line is pretty on par with what Drew Timmy has done. But I could see that kind of role being a high-end outcome for Drew Timmy in his NBA career. In terms of looking at the actual draft and some of the best outcomes here, the highest I think I could conceivably see him going, and the NBA draft is a complete crapshoot, so we're all just kind of guessing based on mocks and what we're hearing and, and all that stuff, but I would be surprised if Drew Timmy went any higher than 35th, but I could see the Celtics who pick at 35, assuming no trades, I could see it. I think there are other potentially better fits there. A lot of people have mocked Brandon Pajemski from Santa Clara there if he ends up falling out of the first round. I've seen Amari Bailey from UCLA mocked there. But if Drew Timmy is available there, and I think that he will be, and Boston doesn't see anything else, I could see that being a really nice fit for him. Other fits that are kind of higher in the draft that I think would be like a, a positive outcome for him in terms of draft location, uh, Denver at 40. Talked about that, of course, whole episode last Thursday about uh, Drew Timmy and Nikola Jokic and how they are somewhat similar and how Jokic's path and success that he has had could potentially boost the draft stock of Drew Timmy. That was a conversation we had on a previous episode and going to Denver and playing under Nikola Jokic, learning from him, watching how he operates, watching what he does and doesn't do, going against him in practice. All of that stuff seems like it could be tremendously beneficial for Drew Timmy's short and long-term NBA hopes and dreams. And then Memphis at 45. Of course, Memphis is a team that loves to draft older college prospects. This has been a huge thing for them. Brandon Clark among them, uh, Jake LaRavia from Wake Forest among them, David Roddy from Colorado, Colorado State, excuse me, uh, among them. Tons more. Those are just a few. Desmond Bain is a big one from, uh, from TCU, I believe is where Desmond Bain came from. Regardless, Drew Timmy at 45 makes a lot of sense for Memphis. Brandon Clark is hurt. He is not going to be healthy to start the next season. Uh, so they could use him as an extra body early in the year. Uh, again, they like these kinds of prospects. They've loved Zags in the past. They've had Clark. They also, of course, had Killian Tilly for a brief period of time. So that, to me, makes a lot of sense as a high-end draft outcome for Drew Timmy. Well, there are plenty of reasons for optimism around Drew Timmy's NBA future right now, but... There are also some things he needs to improve upon if he wants to stick in the league. And we're going to talk more about that after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing, and there is no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That is $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to join today. Zag fans, perhaps you want to make a bet regarding Marco Gonzalez and the Mariners or Eli Morgan and the Cleveland Guardians. Either way, don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
Folks, the Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special is here, and it's bigger than ever before. Follow along the entire first round in a six-episode ultimate mock draft experience that only Locked On can deliver, folks. There is analysis from every single Locked On NBA host discussing why their team would pick certain players. There is analysis from Locked On college hosts discussing each individual player, including yours truly, talking about a handful of guys in the first round who uh, didn't have teams represented for Locked On. So it is a fantastic, fully immersive experience. Check it out. It is available on the Locked On College Basketball YouTube channel, Locked On NBA Big Board, Locked On NBA, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, folks, we stayed positive in the first segment looking at the best case scenarios for Drew Timmy, his pros as an NBA draft prospect, and what the best potential team fits might look like for him in his first role as an NBA player. We're going to have kind of the same conversation on the reverse side here, uh, talking about some of the things in Drew Timmy's game that he needs to work on and what some potentially negative scenarios could be for him this draft season. The cons for Drew Timmy, again, Those of you who have listened to the show, those of you who have eyeballs and watched Drew Timmy play four years of college basketball probably know generally what the cons are here. The outside shooting is a big one. It's not reliable at all right now, and there's really, there's not a lot of guarantee that it will be. Most of the time when you look at bigs and you kind of try to extrapolate if a three-point shot could show up for them, one of the first things you look at is free throw shooting. Hasn't been there for Drew Timmy either. There's not a lot of optimism that Drew Timmy can emerge and become a solid, consistent three-point shooting threat in the NBA. I still think that it's possible. Drew Timmy has worked extremely hard. He takes hundreds of three-pointers in the offseason. We see him working on it. We see results in uh, shooting drills. He looks much better as a three-point shooter, but he's not knocking them down in games. And up to this point, he has not proven that he is capable of doing so. Again, that doesn't mean that he's not, but if you haven't proven it, NBA scouts and GMs have no, cannot have any actual true confidence that he will be a three-point shooter in the NBA. They just can't because he hasn't shown it yet. If it does happen, it would be a bonus. I mean, he shot 16.7% last year from deep, and he's been a poor free throw shooter his entire career. So in the modern NBA, when you want guys who can stretch the floor, you talk about Nikola Jokic, you talk about uh, DeMontis Sabonis even, Tim Duncan, guys who've played that kind of role – One of the key elements of being able to play that role is also being able to knock down an open shot from deep. It forces defenders to have to to alter the way that they guard you. If Drew Timmy cannot shoot a three, defenders are going to be able to sag significantly farther off of him, get their hands in the passing lane, disrupt his vision, all of that stuff. If they have to be up on him because of his ability to shoot, that makes it easier for him to put the ball on the deck, drive to the basket, find open cutters, all that stuff changes. So for Drew Timmy... If that outside shot isn't there enough for defenders to have to respect it, it makes it much more difficult for him to play a consistent role in the NBA. Beyond that, Drew Timmy's not long or strong enough to really be an impactful low post NBA defender or rim protector. He's never really been a rim protector at Gonzaga, was never really asked to do that role, but there was two very notable seasons in his career at Gonzaga where they didn't have any rim protection. Of course, the championship team in 2021 got exposed for not having that rim protection. The next year they add Jet Holmgren. Suddenly they have a whole ton of rim protection. But then the year after that, this most recent season, no Jet Holmgren, no real rim protection on the roster. It ended up being something that really, really hurt them throughout the regular season and eventually in the NCAA tournament. Timmy's barely six foot nine. His wingspan is fine. It's above average, but it is not elite. 
And the athleticism, there's always been a little bit of a question about that. His jumping skills are not great. They're below average for a player of his size. He's just, he's not going to be a rim protector in the NBA. He's not. I think he can hold his own capably as a low post defender on the block. Like he'll be fine at that, but he's not going to be a, a shot blocker, a shot alter, or any of that stuff. Uh, and then the ability to defend in space is not really there either. And I think that's the big hinge for Drew Timmy right now. Outside of the outside shooting, the ability for him to demonstrate that if he gets switched onto a screen, he's not going to be a complete liability. He needs to be able to prove that he can play defense away from the rim and adequately keep guys in front of him and contest open shots and, and not just basically be giving up an automatic two points if he is switched onto a guard in the NBA. Because if that's the case, none of the offensive stuff really matters. I mean, if we're being completely frank and honest here, it doesn't. If he cannot play and good enough defense to keep people in front of him to not just get exposed every single time down the floor by the team running a high screen, getting him out into space and then just attacking at him. If that is what is happening every single, if teams figure out they can do that in the NBA, they don't, they're just going to go, they're going to do it every single time. There's no reason to not just consistently attack and attack and attack and attack until the other team takes Drew Timmy out of the game. Again, I'm not saying this is what's going to happen. I'm saying that this is a worst-case scenario for Drew Timmy is the defense is just not there at, at the level it needs to be for him to be able to stop NBA guards or even more athletic NBA bigs from just attacking and going to the basket. And at that point, it doesn't matter how effective he is offensively. It doesn't matter if those skills have emerged to allow him to be a bit more of a facilitator. If he's the turnstile on defense, it's just not going to matter. I think he has room to grow there. I think there is optimism for him to continue to grow, but – you're also somewhat capped by how athletic you can get. Drew Timmy's going to get more athletic. He's going to get better. He's going to get faster and stronger and all that stuff. I really believe that most guys do when they get in the NBA and they're not in college and they're not worrying about school and academics and social life and all that stuff. They're just in the NBA grinding and working. I think he'll get better, but there's still a limit to how much better he can get. And that limit needs to, he needs to be able to, to, be the best version of himself defensively that he's capable of being, because even that is probably not going to be a, even good NBA defensive player, it might be a fine or average NBA defensive player with that. Plus his skills as an offensive player probably allows him to play. But if the defense kind of cancels out the offense, you're probably just not going to get a consistent role. And I think that's the biggest kind of hinge right now for Drew Timmy's NBA future. Can the defense be at least adequate enough for him to play consistent minutes at the next level? Looking at some worst case NBA role stuff for him, I think the worst thing that could happen for Drew Timmy in year one is if he gets drafted by a team that wants to keep him on the bench but doesn't really play him in the G League. A two-way contract where he spends most of his time in the NBA on deep on the bench and doesn't play that much in the G League. Or not even a two-way contract, just a regular contract. Maybe he gets signed for a regular deal as an undrafted free agent, uh, gets drafted late in the draft and just hangs on to a team but doesn't really get opportunities to grow in game settings. He's working in practice, all that stuff, but he's not really getting that G League game type experience. I think that would be the worst thing. I don't think there's a lot of teams that would do this to him. Mind you, I think if a team's not going to play him in the G League, it's because he has a consistent enough role in the NBA. But there are scenarios out there where he's just kind of buried on a bench and not seeing a lot of playing time. And that would be unfortunate for Drew Timmy. It would be unfortunate for us as people who want to watch Drew Timmy play basketball next season as well. Uh, and I think the other worst case scenario is what happened to DeMontis Sabonis and what happened a little bit to Brandon Clark, which is that a team tries to just turn him into a floor spacer. Billy Donovan, who is a well-respected coach at the college level and at the NBA level, for some reason, after acquiring DeMontis Sabonis as a rookie, 
put him on the roster and threw him in the corner and said, Russell Westbrook's going to do everything on this team and everybody else just stands in a corner and shoots threes when you get the ball. I don't think that was a horrible strategy, but you needed the right personnel and rookie DeMontis Sabonis, who shot virtually no threes in college and even now as a three-time all-star, all-NBA player, is still not a three-point shooter, was a mystifying decision by the Oklahoma City front, uh, front office. And the best thing they did was package him in a trade for Paul George and let him go to Indiana where he developed into a star. The worst thing that somebody could do to Drew Timmy is say, well, we really want you to be a stretch four, so we're just going to kind of make you a stretch four and force you into that role when that's not really his skill set. Drew Timmy playing in the NBA away from the basket constantly is just a crime. It's not his skill set. doesn't mean he can't improve in that area, but why not use him for what he's good at, scoring around the rim? So that to me would be a worst case scenario for Drew Timmy is either not getting any playing time at all, buried on a bench, or being used in a completely out of place role where fans are going to be like, this guy sucks. We don't want him on our team because all he's doing is missing threes when it's like that's not the point of who Drew Timmy is and should be. In terms of a low range of outcomes uh, from a draft perspective, uh, I think the worst case scenario for Drew Timmy would be getting drafted at the very end of the draft by a team that doesn't necessarily have a good reputation for developing players. The obvious team that stands out here is the Washington Wizards at 57, the second to last pick in the draft. If we get to 57 and Drew Timmy hasn't been picked, we'll talk about this in the third and final segment. My guess is he's going to want to not get picked. He would rather sign somewhere on his own, pick his team, all of that stuff. But if the Washington Wizards pick him at 57, yeah, he gets a reunion with Corey Kispert. That's fun. That's cool. But the Wizards play players out of position. They don't seem to have a lot of direction going forward. They just traded Bradley Beal for shockingly nothing, which was very surprising. If he goes to Washington, I worry that that could curtail his development in a way that it kind of did for Rui. Rui showed some skills last year with the Lakers that we didn't really see from him while he was in Washington. So I would hope that Washington wouldn't take Drew, uh, Drew Timmy with that 57th pick. Uh, Phoenix at 52 or Minnesota at 53 stand out a little bit as well. Minnesota has Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. So there's just not a lot of playing time up there. I think they'll probably move one of those guys, potentially Carl Anthony Towns if they can. Uh, but this team hasn't developed talent all of that well either. I don't know if I love that fit for him. The Suns, he just wouldn't play much. If they put him in the G League and let him kind of develop there, that could be fine. Of course, the Suns, I don't know what they're going to do with DeAndre Ayton. So potentially they'll have some more room in the front court, but I just don't love that fit for Drew Timmy in Phoenix. I think at that point he would rather go undrafted, which is what I want to talk about to close out the show. We looked at some best case and some worst case scenarios for Drew Timmy on Thursday, but let's discuss a more realistic prediction for the big fella on Thursday and for the rest of his first season in the NBA coming up right after this. All right, folks, let's talk Drew Timmy's future here. We did some best-case scenarios, his pros, what he's best at, what skills should translate in the NBA. We talked about his uh, things that he needs to work on, skills that at this point uh, need to improve for him to be a regular contributor in the NBA. And we also looked at some teams that might not be very good fits for him. So I want to talk about a more realistic projection of what I think is going to happen for Drew Timmy starting on Thursday throughout the first season of his professional basketball career. I believe that Drew Timmy is going to go undrafted. And I believe in some way, and I don't know if we'll ever find this out, so I don't know if we'll ever be able to really prove it, but I think that he will go undrafted by his own choosing. This is pretty common for the last eight or so picks in the NBA draft for players to say, hey, look, I'd rather not get drafted. I would rather be an undrafted free agent. I'd rather pick the team that I want to play for. 
teams don't really have to honor that. They can draft you. There's not really anything you can do to prevent them from drafting you. If you say, hey, I'd rather not get drafted and they draft you, it's not really starting off your partnership on a particularly good fit. Most teams, I think, would honor that. But if a team really wanted Drew Timmy and he said, hey, I'd rather not, they might just take him anyway. But I think this is what's going to happen. I think after about pick 47, again, the draft order will probably change as teams make trades and whatnot. But 47 right now is the Lakers. I think if the Lakers don't take Drew Timmy at 47, that to me is where I think he could conceivably say, hey, at this point, I don't want to be drafted. Again, we may never know if he says that or not, but if he does go undrafted, that could be part of the reason why it's worth acknowledging. This is reportedly what happened with Joel Eiai. I don't know how true that is. I don't know how many teams actually wanted to draft him in those final few picks, but of course he he did not get drafted. Uh, and, and we'll see what happens with Drew, but that's kind of where I think might happen. And I think the realistic thing here is that he's not going to get drafted, but within about a half an hour of the draft concluding, he will sign a contract somewhere, which if that happens, and again, that is what happened with Joe Eliai, it's a pretty good indication that he probably made the decision to not get drafted himself. Kind of seems to point, tip the scales in that direction, at least. Then at that point, there are a lot of teams that would be really good fits for Drew Timmy. Memphis, Denver, San Antonio, and Boston. We talked about Memphis already. We talked about Denver already. We talked about Boston already. Uh, San Antonio, a bit of an odd fit. If they keep Zach Collins, they'll draft Victor Wembignana without a doubt. Uh, and then they have Drew Timmy. There's not really a role for him, but San Antonio develops bigs really well. Uh, Greg Popovich, for as long as he's still there, really good at using bigs in that kind of role that we envision for Drew Timmy, the LaMarcus Aldridge role, uh, the Tim Duncan role. It's probably more known for that than LaMarcus Aldridge, but having a, an event when could be used like this and they use Zach Collins like this a little bit as well as a big kind of the offense runs around the big man in the middle. That's what we talk about being a potential skill set for Drew Timmy. And if you were to go to San Antonio, he could conceivably learn how to do that from a coach that is a as good at implementing that as anybody has ever been in basketball. So I like that fit for him a lot. I also toss Dallas on there because Drew Timmy is from Dallas, and I think he would love to play with Luka Doncic and everybody uh, that is going to be in Dallas next season. I don't know a ton about the fit. Uh, it depends on whether they keep Kyrie Irving and a, and a handful of other things going on in Dallas, but it could be a good fit. It might not be a good fit. He'd be happy as heck signing with Dallas, and I want Drew Timmy to be happy. So if that's where he wants to be, that would be nothing wrong with that fit for him as well. I think Drew Timmy does end up getting a two-way contract. I think he goes undrafted, but he ends up signing a two-way contract. And I think there's a realistic chance that he puts up all-star caliber numbers in the G League. If you want a prediction, folks, Drew Timmy will be a G League all-star in the 2023-24 season. Let's just throw that right out there. Second time they've ever been an all-star game last year was the first Drew Timmy will be an all-star in that game. If you want predictions, let's do predictions. Let's do hot takes. Let's get them out there. I think that's what's going to happen. And I think there's some, some pretty obvious uh, examples of players who have already done this. Luca Garza, who has been compared to Drew Timmy a lot as a dominant college player. Now, Luca Garza was a much, much better three-point shooter than Drew Timmy, which is a big difference. Here's the deal. Luca Garza played 28 NBA games last year, averaged 6.5 points and 2.3 rebounds as a reserve big for the Minnesota Timberwolves. He also played 15 games in the G League and averaged 30.3 points and 9.8 rebounds. 30 and 10 for Luca Garza. 15 games, of course, a small sample size, but that's what he was capable of doing in the G League. Charles Bassey, three-year big man at Western Kentucky. He played 
35 NBA games last year, averaged 5.7 points and 5.5 rebounds, played 12 games in the G League, 23.7 points and 10.2 rebounds. A season like that for Drew Timmy, where he plays half-ish of the NBA regular season games, averages five and five, uh, and plays a handful of games in the G League and dominates, would not surprise me at all. Isaiah Mobley picked 49th last year, the younger, or excuse me, the older brother of Evan Mobley, although he stayed an extra year in college. Uh, Isaiah Mobley last year, 2.6 points, 1.6 rebounds in 12 NBA games. I would hope that Drew Timmy would get a little bit more of a look in the NBA than that, but Mobley in 31 G League games, 21 and a half points, 8.8 rebounds, 3.7 assists. He was a rebounder. He was a scorer. He was a facilitator. He did a little bit of everything and got a glimpse of the NBA as well. I think that any of those options could happen for Drew Timmy. I think the Luca Garza route of scoring 30 and 10 in the G League and also scoring six and a half points in 30 NBA games, probably high end of reasonable expectations for Drew Timmy in year one, at least. Mobley being the low end. Again, I hope that Drew Timmy plays in more than 12 NBA games as a rookie, and I hope he's able to average more than two and a half points per game. But Drew Timmy averaging 21 and a half points, 8.8 rebounds, and 3.7 assists in 31 G League games feels really attainable, really plausible. If he could do that with a little bit more production in the NBA, that's kind of where I'm at. That's kind of where my prediction is at right now. Drew Timmy, G League All-Star, puts up numbers in the G League that look kind of similar to the numbers he put up at Gonzaga, uh, and he gets glimpses of the NBA, 12, 15, 20-ish different games in the NBA with whatever team signs him. That to me is my prediction. That's what I think we're going to see from Drew Timmy in year one. What does that mean for his future? Well, that's maybe a conversation for another time, but ultimately if he were able to put up that kind of numbers in his first professional season, it bodes well for him continuing to develop. Uh, People talk about his age as if it's a huge concern. He's 22. If you put up those kind of numbers as a 22, 23 year old in the G league, you're going to continue to get looks after that. We'll be back on Wednesday with more conversation on Julian Strother. Same type of conversation, best case, worst case scenarios, actual predictions for what his rookie season might look like. Coming up on Wednesday's episode of the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, also available on YouTube. Go hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet. We'll, of course, continue to look at the NBA draft for the rest of the shows this week as well. Should be a very, very fun week here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Thank you all for listening. And as always, go Zags.